Hello, everyone, and welcome to CPPR's podcast series, Policy Beyond Politics. I am Purvaja Modak, Research Fellow, International Relations for Geoeconomics at CPPR. In these podcasts, we will be discussing new and crucial developments in the field of international relations, law, geoeconomics, and global governance. And we'll hear interesting insights from our in-house and external research scholars. Today, I have with me Nitin Ramakrishnan, Assistant Professor of International Law at the Chinmaya Vishwa Vidya Peet, Ernakulam, Kerala. He is a research scholar with CPPR as well. Welcome, Nitin, to this podcast. Nitin, the 74th World Health Assembly, held over the duration of the past week, saw discussions on the launch of negotiations for a new pandemic treaty, which will create a global framework convention on pandemic preparedness and response. It is said that this treaty will enable international cooperation and a coordinated response to any future pandemics. The European Union and several other member states are pushing for the assembly to make a quick decision on the proposal, while countries like the US, Brazil, and Russia have sought to stall negotiations to be taken up at a later date. A special session of the World Health Assembly is to be conducted in November 2021 to discuss this treaty. What, according to you, should this new pandemic treaty entail, and how will it enable a better response to current and future pandemics? Over to you, Nitin. Thank you, Purvacha, for taking the time to introduce today's subject, that is uh, the new pandemic treaty. At the onset, I would like to clarify that World Health Assembly has called for the special session to look into the benefit of drawing new international legal instrument to regulate pandemic. Its call is neither to draft a pandemic treaty nor to negotiate any new treaty. It it also doesn't confirm even the need for a new treaty. Although the text of the World Health Assembly decision, uh, which calls for the special session is tweaked to craft this result even before the session begins. A new treaty is actually only one of the options amongst many international legal instruments. However, there is a high political visibility given to this new special session as if it is going to adopt the new treaty or as if like uh, it, it is going to establish the need for this pandemic treaty. Even the question what this new treaty should entail you know, comes up from this premise. We are all continuously fed with this logic and rationale that a new treaty is going to be the magical solution for the prolonging COVID-19 pandemic as well as the future pandemics. However, if we consider international law and relations, a discussions on a new treaty should begin with asking two questions. Firstly, what is the subject matter to be addressed or regulated and whether there is a legal vacuum or absence of law on the subject? Secondly, is it the right time to start negotiating a new instrument or a treaty? I think on both these counts, the call for a new pandemic treaty actually fails. This is because we already have specialized legal mechanisms to deal with these issues like pandemic, not just pandemic, but any other type of health emergencies that requires international support. The treaty constituting WHO popularly known as constitution of WHO, as well as, you know, there is another instrument which is called as international health regulations 
adopted under article 21 of the who's constitution both these legal texts give a very clear straightforward mandate to who and member states to address the issue of public health emergency of international concern in a globally coordinated way so we need to probably understand what this uh, globally coordinated re- response means we can look at this when uh, you know when we discuss more about what the existing laws actually speak about this particular scenario now if you look at the time the call was raised also like the present scenario i'm compelled to say that that this proposal for a new treaty drives us away from the real issue so if you look at what is the real issue whether you know the real issue would i would say whether we are effectively globally coordinating the response towards covid pandemic is that, that that is the real issue if not you know if we are not able to you know effectively coordinate it then can we improve now instead of answering these questions we have already started to speak about future pandemics even as many of the developing nations and con- countries still struggle to struggle to cope up with the second and third waves of covid-19 look at the world now in another couple of months the developed world will be vaccinated at required levels whereas the countries in the global south will be still in the shortage of vaccines their health experts and diplomats will all be working towards you know addressing covid-19 in an you know outstretched manner how are we expecting them to participate in a new negotiation or law making process i think there is a, a a certain disregard in with regard to this effective participation of states in the new call for a pandemic treaty the logic comes from you know uh, earlier emergency situations wherever then there is a very you know catastrophic situations like uh, the covid-19 pandemic um, or even you know wars Uh, there is always uh, advanced mechanism by which people try to come out with a law which settles the order as soon as this particular catastrophe ends now that is the logic working out here but as we also look at into history all these times when a new law and order is set mostly most of that part of that legal order is set by uh, the states having capacity to probably negotiate those treaties during even during that uh, emergency time period so that is the kind of context in which uh, this new pandemic treaty is being discussed that being said let's take the first question that uh, what this new treaty entails or should entail uh, let me probably expand ex- ex- examine the same from the shoes of the proponents of the treaty the proponents of the new treaty say that pandemics like covid-19 required globally coordinated response and they believe that this is not possible within the present who constitution as well as the international health regulations which is adopted in 2005 under the article 21 of the constitution of the who <laughs> so what according to them uh, are some few areas of concern or few issues which uh, ihr may not be able to ihr uh, i mean the short form of international health regulations uh, cannot probably address uh, what are those issues firstly what is said is a speedy and a timely sharing of biological substance and all other relevant information about public health events including genome sequence and information second one 
they say is that a global equitable access to the benefits arising from the sharing of the above which includes effective countermeasures like vaccines diagnostics and therapeutics i would like to emphasize one point that here the equitable access is mentioned to the benefits arising from the sharing of the above it's not actually speaking about an equitable access or an equitable uh, support system which exists globally even without probably sharing this particular information i'm not saying that countries should not share the information but uh, it's not speaking about a general scenario it is very much specifically skewed to or narrowed down to this particular thing that equitable access is is for those uh, benefits which are arising out of the sharing of the information the third thing which uh, the new pandemic treaty proponents think that ihr cannot address is the rapid deployment of who teams for investigation and response in the territory where the outbreak has occurred there is four and five reasons fourth and fifth reasons the fourth reason is basically maintenance of global supply chain even during the crisis period the fifth reason is uh, the prevention and management of zoonotic risk as a part of one health approach now if you ask a person like me who has immense faith in international law i will say all the above five are addressed and can be continued to be addressed within the present law on the other hand if you ask someone who has moderate faith in international law or someone who really doesn't believe in international law their answer would also be almost similar they may perhaps ask for little bit improvement and betterment in the existing law but none of us would actually probably uh deny the fact that there exists laws which can deal with all the five areas which have been just presented so for example article 46 of international health regulations read with article 3 and 5 can address the issue of sharing of informations pathogens including genome sequence information article 44 read with 3 and 13 can deal with equitable access to diagnostic treatments and vaccines same article 44 can maintain an effective global supply chain as well similarly article 14 along with various agreements you know there are certain agreements which who puts with other international organizations for example food and agricultural organization or organization for animal health you know with these organizations so with these agreements as well as the operation of article 14 most of those international organizations can come together to take up this one health approach forward and work towards avoidance of zoonotic risk so essentially there is no lack of legal mandate but there can be a legitimate argument that these provisions which i just mentioned do not sufficiently deal or explain uh, what to do within these particular uh, provisions or mandate there is no action plans elaborated within the text of international health regulations for example like if there is a, a responsibility to uh, assist uh, states each other by mobilizing funds you know what should be the nature of the fund what should be the source of the fund how it should be handled how it should be transferred you know these kind of um, um detailing is not really found in uh, many of these uh, articles or uh, the text the legal text which is called as international health regulations now the question is do we require a new treaty to detail uh, these existing provisions can we not achieve the same results by introducing amendments or by adopting annexures or protocols to the existing instrument uh in fact that should have been the way because if you are adopting annexures or protocols within the regulation 
it would have gone under article 21 and uh, article 21 or, uh, automatically operates but if you are asking for a new treaty uh, what article 19 of the who constitution says is that uh, most of the member states needs to subsequently ratify these uh, treaties which are adopted under article 19 through their constitutional mechanisms which means there is a gap between the adoption of the treaty and the real entry of force of the legal provisions which would be adopted uh, in the treaty whereas if it is a regulation it would have you know it would it would come into operation um, uh, as automatic as it can uh, of course there are mechanisms by which states can actually move out of uh, this particular regulation but that requires a further normative pressure because you know they should say that okay we are withdrawing from ihr or we are withdrawing from these regulations uh, and cite sufficient reason for it otherwise there is a what it calls a community pressure which uh, normally do not allow states to uh, withdraw from a law which are already come into operations <laughs> so uh, i would say that um, going by supplementing ihr is a much better opportunity or much better thing to do rather than uh, looking at a new uh, pandemic treaty uh, purvaj that is my state uh, my my stance i don't know uh, whether that is uh, very much appreciated within the Uh, international circles uh thanks nitin that's very interesting and very informative for a lot of us who do not know much about this uh, treaty so coming to india so india has so far not let out its stance on such a possible treaty what could india stance be according to you what should should india uh, you know push for it or should india you know either stall like the us and some other countries or should india vehemently oppose it uh so you know that question is a very interesting question uh but i'm i'm not a person who has significant experience in advocating what should be india's or for that matter any other nation stats stands on uh, these issues uh, but as a person working in international law who has been following legal responses to covid-19 pandemic i can say that uh, india must be cautious uh, must be really cautious that um, you know it should not only be Uh, uh playing it in a very defensive way but should also be probably take up certain uh leadership role such as to such as to advance uh the global south causes vociferously uh, i believe both before and during uh the special session which is supposed to uh you know happen during uh november 2021 india should take up this leadership role and ask for um strengthening who ask for Uh, performing international health regulations uh, under article 21 uh, i'm also like very much uh, 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 curious to know probably i'm, I'm not, i mean i'm not the person who, who, who can actually answer that uh, somebody as who studies international relations or diplomacy may be able to say that whether india can use uh, this particular situation uh, to build pressure uh, by detracting from pandemic treaty and put it put you know eu and certain other states to give a nod on a trips waiver proposal which we have kept on trips council of wto so i think uh, you know that could be a very interesting thing whether we can you know cap capitalize this cap i mean capitalize on this moment i'm not sure whether that will happen or not um yes because my my view to my view towards this particular issue is that uh, socio economic and legal responses like waiver uh debt relief uh, must be brought into the driving seat of um um you know covid-19 response the the globally coordinated response should actually have 
these elements uh, also um one more thing which uh, i would like to stress upon here is uh, the excessive securitization agenda which is hidden in the treaty proposal so the only thing among those five things which i discussed with you in the previous uh, um, you know answer uh, was what uh, you know is um, is the need for deployment of who teams for investigation in the territory of the member states where an outbreak happens now that is something which do not have a, a very significant uh, backing in ihr ihr also provides uh, who teams to travel to the uh, the territories where outbreak happens and help them out in you know investigating the particular cases and finding out the origins of virus and all other things uh, it's still it's more based on state concerns now i feel uh, there is a uh, is a very significant urge for um, um, securitizing the health emergency concern and through that uh, making a greater norm um, for who or even other international bodies to take up a very uh, what you call as uh, invasive or interventionistic approach uh, towards um, health emergencies so they can send in teams for investigation um, sometimes even militarized uh investigation teams can be sent in to uh, investigate uh, issues in member states countries so if you look at you know uh, all developed countries p5 nations can actually dodge such investigations if that as if that is initiated against their territories however states belonging to the south cannot actually do that as they are dependent to the global north and we also know that most of the outbreaks happens in uh, global south so with this particular uh, ambit if, i mean aspect if you look at it i think uh, india should be really really cautious more, uh, more cautious than it should ever be um yes and if you ask uh, you know what would be the kind of um, um, legal norms we should be advocating in the new pandemic treaty that's a case if the new pandemic treaty is going to be the future of international health response um at the moment i would like to believe or i would like to wish uh, that india's focus uh, remain on bringing back attention to the real issues like strengthening uh, world health organization reforming and strengthening international health regulations or ensuring both financial and non financial resources at adequate levels for all the struggling nations so this should be our real agenda uh, and we should not be much worried about whether it happens through a pandemic treaty or uh, ihr you know and we should in fact my my point of view is legally um, strengthening ihr is much much efficient and better than going with the new treaty okay uh, that's very interesting and uh, in fact you know strengthening and reforming multilateral institutions has been on india's agenda for a very long time and bringing in the voice of the countries of the south and developing nations so this there cannot be a more opportune time than this to actually take up this agenda so that's a very interesting point thanks nitin so coming to uh, the who here so the who is the designated multilateral body to craft and carry out uh, response strategies during any health crisis will this treaty take away from the role of the who in any way or will it work in tandem is there a role for multilateral groupings like the g20 here um so far the proponents of the treaty had said that um who would remain at the center of the international health response in any, in any sort of pandemic or public health emergencies 
um but um, i would say um, we should actually review a bit of history to look at whether really who can um, you know um, can retain or can remain in the central position of international health response so uh, here you know multilateralism i find this a, as a buzzword for you know that mainstream international relations and international law scholars use uh, people of developing countries i feel should read it as a fragmentation of governance to which the powerful states and intergovernmental organizations can slip in their responsibilities even without the treaty itself uh, i find who's mandate and responsibilities are being carved out by many actors in international law uh, this is one of the actual problems why who remains underfunded and why we have to rely on philanthropy rather than legal commitments uh, in order to address covid-19 pandemic Uh, the problem with g20 like platforms and global public private partnerships uh, is that you know they don't have um, any legal responsibility they lack both accountability and transparency so the new treaty proposal is also on similar lines it has all potentials to um, you know further fragment the international health response um, there are many reasons out of which i would like to emphasize on two for today um, firstly Uh, the proposal for a new treaty uh, is not like you know they are envisaging a very comprehensive uh, standalone uh, treaty whereby every problem would be resolved they are saying that uh, we would construct a framework convention uh, this means like uh, some convention which has been presently applied for united nations uh, uh, convention framework convention on climate change where there is a mother convention Uh, um, uh, a larger framework treaty there are fundamental principles are adopted and based on which numerous protocols and um, other um, sub instruments are adopted now for each of the sub instrument uh, sub instruments they will have uh, more negotiations there will be uh, a number of times of rounds of discussions rounds of ratification all those things has to happen <clears throat> uh, so that's the way even this particular treaty is also envisaged that the treaty uh, is called for is in the form of a framework convention for pandemic preparedness and response uh, now here itself um, um, if we look at uh, ihr international health regulations uh, this is also an international legal instrument and it also provides uh, broad uh, framework principles upon which uh, member states and who can rely um, to design their actions so it must be noted that uh, these regulations are themselves framework laws uh, we just need to build on the existing framework a new negotiation for a framework convention uh, i find it as a reinventing of the wheel uh, and that too with all possibilities of not achieving um, you know these concrete uh, cohesiveness of uh, international health regulations whereby all parties are already uh, within that particular instrument for the last 15 years nobody has withdrawn from this uh, from this regulations as well uh, secondly if you look at it so this is one way it, it will fragment you know, the new treaty would have new set of members there will be there will be other states which uh, who may not be the members in the framework convention now someone will become a member in one of the protocols which speaks about sharing of information uh, if there is an another protocol on equitable access some of the members would not be a part of it um so they would that would again you know fragment uh, the way who and its member states uh, coordinate their response now the second reason why which um, you know the proposal 
can create further fragmentation is a is a you know sub proposal which is included in the uh, proposal proposed call for treaty that is an establishment of um, global health threats council uh, now that is basically propounded by independent panel for pandemic preparedness and response um, so the ipr body suggest that uh, a, a, an international institution or a council uh, under uh, united nations uh, can actually lead this particular uh, uh, instrument and activities under this instrument they can monitor they can plan and uh, they will be the supervising body and they say that uh, this particular ghtc that is global health threats council uh, can be manned by personals of head of the state's rank uh, and you know one more interesting proposal they have kept is that g20 will have a permanent seat in gtht i mean ghtc <clears throat> now if you look at this this has got a very uh, different uh, feeling altogether because uh, uh, you know if you if you look at who right from its beginning uh, it is an international organization uh, manned by health experts um, now this would be a politically uh, powerful body a visible body in that way so it is obvious that once ghtc comes into play it would automatically become the de facto lead in international health response so in these two ways i think uh, who's governance uh, structure or international uh, health response coordinated within who is going to be uh, fragmented further is it also now now itself it is fragmented i would say yes because most of the activities are done uh, using um, global public and private partnerships um thanks nitin for your insights uh, we will study the developments and upcoming discussions on this proposal in the lead up to the world health assembly special session in november so um, uh, in conclusion again uh, i'd like to thank nitin for sharing us uh, your views with us uh, on this issue we look forward to hosting you again soon for another engaging discussion on your areas of research thank you to all our listeners for joining us as well You can listen to all our podcasts on our social media accounts. Just type hashtag Policy Beyond Politics podcast. For more research and content from CPPR, do log in to our website www.cppr.in. Follow our work on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or subscribe to our updates on Telegram. Thank you, and we will be back again soon with many more interesting discussions with eminent scholars. Thank you.